Did you know that in the early 20th century, people were absolutely convinced that sharks both would not and could not attack and kill humans? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, what do you think I'm going to say? No, I, I was not aware of that. I don't um, know. Maybe you were aware. Maybe you knew this already. No, I wasn't aware of that. Well, globally. Yeah, like, people did not think that sharks would kill humans. Fine. <laughs> I can accept that. Cause you can accept that. Because at the start of the 20th century, people were dumb as fuck, weren't they? Clearly. I suppose so. Yeah, that's a valid point. Um, Compared to, you know, you and I. No. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't have these big old brains that we've got running yeah. this podcast over here. But, you know, it is a little hard to imagine now, like with decades of killer shark movies and Discovery Channel shark weeks behind us. Uh, mm. Because all of that stuff makes it feel like every time you step in the water, there's going to be a hungry Carcharodon Carcarius ready to have a go at your extremities. But... A little over 100 years ago, hardly anyone thought that sharks posed any threat to humans at all. Hmm. In fact, in 1891, eccentric millionaire Herman Ulrichs offered $500 to anyone who could prove that a shark had ever bitten a human. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, I can, I can only speculate as to why Herman was so interested. Yeah, well... That's $12,000 in today's money, so he was very interested. And that's how confident he was that this would never happen. He mm. was also so confident that in order to settle a $250 bet with guests at his seaside home for a party, he dove into the water with a shark as horrified onlookers screamed and cried for help. The shark swam away, though, and he, did, and he did it again off the side of his yacht sometime later. And believe it or not, scientists at the American Museum of Natural History in New York legit took Ulrich's dives as scientific evidence that sharks had zero interest in the taste of the long pig. Something that I will refer to as the Treadwell effect. Oh, Just because but, yeah. you've gotten away right. with fucking walking with bears, don't think yeah. you're not always going to get away with walking with bears. It's a really, that's a really good point, Treadwell effect. I like that. Um, but that all changed and changed hard in July of 1916, <laughs> thanks to a horrifying spree of deaths by shark in the great state of New Jersey. The <laughs> devastating deaths known as the Matawan shark attacks would later inspire the Peter Benchley novel and Steven Spielberg masterpiece, Jaws. Mm. It all started on July 1st in a touristy summer town called Beach Haven on Long Beach Island. 28-year-old Philadelphia resident Charles Epting Van Zant, on vacation with his family, hopped into the Atlantic for a dip with his dog and shortly thereafter began screaming. At first, onlookers thought that he was calling for the dog, but it soon became apparent that Van Zant was actually in trouble. It was then that lifeguard Alexander Ott and another bather, Sheridan Taylor, jumped into the water, dragging him bleeding to the shore, where they found that his legs had been bitten to shit yeah. by something in the water. His left thigh completely stripped of flesh. Yes. He bled to death on the manager's desk at the Engleside Hotel. And for their part, his two attempted rescuers swore that a shark had followed them to shore as they pulled him to safety. 
Terrifying as it was, the incident was taken to be a freak accident, with pretty much no one assuming that this was the kind of thing that would happen again. Just an unlucky interaction with a perhaps confused shark. An article in the New York Times quoted the director of the Philadelphia Museum, who said, Despite the death of Charles Van Sant and the report of two sharks having been caught in that vicinity recently, I do not believe there is any reason why people should hesitate to go in swimming at the beaches for fear of man-eaters. The information in regard... Yeah, right? <laughs> the information in regard to the sharks is indefinite, and I hardly believe that Van Sant was bitten by a man-eater. Van Sant was in the surf, playing with a dog, and it may be that a small shark had drifted in at high water and was marooned by the tide. Being unable to move quickly and without food, he had come in to bite the dog and snapped at the man in passing. <sighs> believable. Very believable. Yeah, sure. Because sharks know the difference between dog and man. And it's a dog and they given prefer. the choice, would prefer right. the little fucking hairy <laughs> yeah. snack. <laughs> would love just like just like a ton of hair all up in yeah. its gullet. That's what I, I think sharks prefer. Uh yeah. Obviously, this would quickly prove to be incorrect. On July 6th, 17-year-old Charles Bruder, a bellhop at the Essex and Sussex Hotel, was having a dip in Spring Lake, some 45 miles north of the spot where Van Sant had been killed. Bruder was swimming 130 yards offshore when he was heard shouting, A shark bit me! Bit my legs off! <laughs> before the water around him turned red with his blood. Two lifeguards rode out to save him and found that, indeed, his abdomen had been bitten and his legs severed. Please don't think I'm laughing at the actual <laughs> fact that he had his legs bitten off. I was laughing at the on-the-nose yeah. plea for help. Which, A shark which, bit know. me. Bit my legs off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's something, when I was reading this, like, that did occur to me that it was just kind of funny that, like, his final words were that clear yeah, what had happened a perfectly factually accurate yeah. description of his circumstances <laughs> right not just like ah hell fucking but... what <laughs> he just... shark has bitten off my legs <laughs> yep uh so yeah the two two lifeguards rode out to save him and found that indeed his abdomen bitten his legs severed he bled to death before they even reached the shore Ugh. according to one article some 500 beachgoers had watched his gruesome death and in true Jawsian fashion, the same article reported, quote, The killing of Charles Bruder yesterday afternoon has caused intense excitement along the coast, and the resort owners fear that much damage will result to their business unless speedy steps are taken to rid the waters yeah, of the danger. Yeah. The article emphasized that there had always been a ton of sharks in that area, and they'd never harmed anyone, and it even referenced Herman Ulrich's 25-year-old offer of a $500 reward for proof of shark attack that had never turned up any evidence. So, you know, don't worry, everyone. Back in the water. You'll be fine. Is he still alive at this point, Herman? He's still... I don't know. That's a good question. But uh, his research, if you will, lived on. Yeah. <laughs> and the business owners really needed you to get back in the water. So convinced were scientists at the time that a shark wouldn't kill a man, Bruder's death was blamed on an orca, or possibly even a large sea turtle. Because if there's anything we know about the sea turts, it's that they're out Huge, for blood. Carnivorous, serrated <laughs> rows of teeth. Yeah, I, I read that there, like, there were passionate... Like, people who were like, it's definitely a sea turtle. They're huge and they get bitey. You know, you're like, mm, yeah, mm, I don't think so. 
but on July 12th, things would get even worse, 30 miles north of Spring Lake and a full 11 miles inland from the open ocean in a small town called Matawan. A retired fishing captain named Thomas Cottrell was walking home when he gazed out into the Matawan Creek and saw a whole-ass shark heading up the waterway, a thing that seemed downright impossible. He quickly ran to warn the townspeople, but it seemed far-fetched. Matawan Creek was a tiny body of fresh water a long way from the attacks that had occurred down the shore, and everyone assumed that Cottrell had hallucinated or just misinterpreted what he'd seen. Yeah. That day... 11-year-old Lester Stilwell got off his job at the local factory a little early because it's 1916 and 11-year-olds worked in factories. Uh, and he decided to hop into the creek along with a couple of friends. Still, <laughs> you didn't catch that at first, did you? <laughs> I didn't. No, I didn't. You had to draw my attention to that. Uh, He was floating on his back, and suddenly his friend saw him violently pulled under the water. His body bobbed up and down, blood filling the water, and his screams filling the air on the rare occasion that his face surfaced. Mm. His two fr friends ran screaming for help down the creek, and soon 24-year-old Stanley Fisher, along with two other men, ran to their aid. Thinking that Stillwell had had a seizure since he was epileptic and not realizing that he'd actually been attacked by a shark that was still going to town on his corpse, the men jumped in. One man, Arthur Smith, was hit or bitten by the shark and was pulled from the water bloodied with a wound that would require 12 stitches. Yeah. Fisher located Stillwell, and as he attempted to pull his body to the banks of the creek, he too was attacked leaving a, quote, wide laceration on his right thigh that ran from his hip to his knee. At least 10 pounds of flesh were removed, leaving the remainder of his leg a bloody mass. He died at Monmouth Hospital in my grandmother's hometown of Long Branch a few hours later. The shark then decided it was time to head on back to the ocean, but not before grabbing one last snack for the road. That snack came in the form of 12-year-old Joseph Dunn, who survived, but whose leg became a tasty drumstick for the ravenous fish. All of this happened, by the way, with a grip of Matawan, Matawan residents watching in horror as it unfolded, because this mm. creek is, like, visible from town. You can now see it from the Garden State Parkway, our main highway that goes through uh, New Jersey. So right out in the open, people are just watching these kids get mauled. And again, much like in Jaws, the townspeople demanded bloody vengeance for what the shark had wrought on the town, going so far as to plant dynamite in the creek to try to blow the animal to smithereens. Yes. <laughs> Didn't work. You might be shocked to hear. Um, out on the coast, though, hundreds of sharks of all kinds were killed indiscriminately as no one had a real good description of the one that had caused such tragedy over the past two weeks. But not too long after the attack, a fisherman by the name of Michael Schleiser captured an eight-and-a-half-foot great white shark just outside of a creek at Raritan Bay. And when the shark was cut open, what was thought to be 15 pounds of human meat was found inside. Because you shock. He wasn't the only one who claimed to have bagged the offending shark, though, and it's now believed that actually the culprit was probably a bull shark because mm. of their penchant for swimming in both fresh and salt water and because mm. bull sharks can be aggressive as fuck, much more Makes so sense. than great whites. So who knows? Kudos what was on the phrase of that. 15 pounds of human meat there, by the way. <laughs> Very 
<laughs> couldn't think of a better way of phrasing it. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, there's some who also theorize that there was more than one shark and that conditions in the summer of 1916 had led to the waters off the coast of New Jersey just being especially sharky. We'll never know 100% for certain what kind of shark or sharks did the killing, but that so many were killed and maimed by at least one that July caused mm. scientists to have to rethink everything they knew about sharks as a Beautiful. whole. See, this is why I wanted to know if our man was still alive at this point. Right, to be like, oh, fuck. Motherfucker. <laughs> did anybody get the 50? How much was the, what was the, the $500. reward? $500. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure at least at that point that that wager was off. Um, mm. And I would imagine he was probably dead by then. But uh, <laughs> I don't know who they give that 500 bucks to. I mean, Jaws is widely credited as ruining our relationship with sharks. Right. I mean, I think the thing is that this definitely had an immediate effect. People freaked out about it. Um, yeah. But obviously it doesn't exactly have the same, you know, uh, wide audience as of course a summer blockbuster like jaws was um and i think also it kind of fell out of consciousness you know uh there were other events that happened after this obviously like the sinking of the uss indianapolis uh mm. during world war ii um but of course that was classified for a while but you know people knew that those guys got picked off by sharks after a while there were some other occurrences in the 1940s some people even postulated that the reason for sharks becoming uh so like into eating humans had to do with German U-boats and something that like was coming off of the U-boats causing them to acquire a taste for flesh. <laughs> so there oh, were... which then was passed around right, and then, shared you know, just... throughout sharks globally, right? Exactly. Uh, so there were all kinds of like things wrapped up in that. And, you know, people were then just trying to figure out what the heck is going on with sharks. And of course, the other thing that you have to account for is the fact that there's more of us in the water now <laughs> than there were mm. uh, in mm. 1916. So, you know, there's more of us sharing an environment with all of these things. So by the 70s, when you have Jaws come out, you have far more people um, out in the water, far more likely to be interacting with sharks. And so, yeah, we went collectively crazy about it. I've often, I've often thought death by shark attack is one of the very, very worst ways mm. that I would choose yeah. to die. It's the, one of the last ways I would choose to go out. Yeah, because it's not, it's not a quick death unless like it no, decapitates you. You're going to bleed out. You're going to be yeah. trying not to drown the whole time. It's going to hurt like hell. You're more likely like going to be in salt water. Yep, right? Salt into yeah. your nasty ass wounds. Uh, everything about it is painful and horrifying. Yeah. And then you might drown. As it, it, it might not even be the shark attack that kills you. You right. then have to look at your own fucking limbs floating away while you drown. I mean, that's exactly it. The the most what it seems that most people end up dying from is not that like because sharks, from all accounts though, don't super love the taste of human. They don't they don't eat humans. They taste you, and then they swim away. You know? yeah. So most of the time, you're going to either drown or bleed out. You're not going to get fully nommed by a shark now we do have an episode coming up dear listeners <laughs> on how to survive unsurvivable circumstances oh so do i we? believe that yeah we do we do eileen's okay, coming back it's gonna be amazing <laughs> uh 
And I think Shark Attack is going to be one of them. What do you do in that circumstance? Because you're not going to survive anyway, let's be fucking honest. But... I mean, some, well, people, you're right. People, people have, people do. Yes. I mean, that's I why believe that heard, I could, yeah. for example. Of, of course you do. <laughs> um, I'm going to say because of your vision, you would not survive a shark attack because you need to be able to aim a punch at them. My vision? Yeah, because you can't see for shit. But Corrigan, I would be wearing contact lenses. Oh, you wear contact lenses into the ocean? Yes. Oh, okay. Never mind. I've changed my mind. You could beat up a shark. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Every time I wear contacts into the ocean, I lose them immediately. They're just gone. No, so. I wear I wear contacts swimming often. Anyway, we digress. Yes, that's not important. But anyways, <laughs> I'm excited about this episode that's apparently coming up. Uh, and yeah, it's gonna be great. We'll we'll find out more about this, I guess. But what would sharks have to do now to rehabilitate their image with us? I think That's we have, to a certain extent, done that. I think we understand at least now that you shouldn't go out and murder them because... I'm putting the onus know. on sharks. What would yeah. sharks have what to do to turn do? this around? <laughs> what, what's the shark PR campaign at this? Um, I mean, and that was ostensibly when Shark Week on Discovery Channel started. What they were trying to do was rehabilitate the image of the shark. It then sort of... Let's see spiraled into like each year 40 shows about ways in which great whites tax and one show that's like but you shouldn't be scared mm. <laughs> but i do think we have a more balanced view of them now at least we understand that we're in their environment yes uh, so we are the ones running the risk it's not that they're hunting us or whatever it's just yeah just like a uh, stingray might sting, or a jellyfish, or whatever. Or a bear. Or a bear. You get in. The, you go into their house. They're gonna stand their ground. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise en scène. I don't think anyone has ever said mise en scène in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word "sex cannibal" recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's cold so, outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Listen, hey. Oh, I hope you're all having a good week. <laughs> or I hope you've all had a good week and you have an even better week to come. Do you consider uh, Sunday the end of the week or the beginning of the week? Sunday's the end of the week. Sunday's the last day of the week. The week begins on a Monday. Okay, I feel the same way. Not everyone feels that way, though. Now, my kids say Sunday, and they point to happy days as their evidence. Because of the theme song? Sunday, Monday, happy days. <laughs> That's phenomenal. How do they know happy um, days? For Ah, oh, fuck knows. Uh, they... <clears throat> it, it, I believe it was used in school as a, as a means of learning the days of the week. Oh, and there you go. Mm. <laughs> Fascinating. But what I, the fuck do they I know? can't argue with Not that bad. logic, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I, I sincerely hope you well. I'm in great spirits, and, and I, uh, I think it's fair to say you are too, Corey, today, yes? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm having yeah. an improved <coughs> pain day, and so, That's good. yeah, that puts me in a good mood kind of out the gate. Mm. Which I feel great. And so, I got almost eight hours of sleep for the first time in oh. weeks. Yes, Glorious. wonderful. I'm here for that. I'm fucking here for that. Yeah. So, friends, you find us in good spirits here on this week's Jack of All Graves, and we sincerely hope the same is true of you. Welcome, welcome to another episode of 
conversations with a darker tinge <laughs> of explorations of topics which might upset, disturb, annoy, offend, <laughs> or even excite, titillate, arouse, fascinate you. Mm. It's all a part of the fucking spicy gumbo that is Jack of All Graves. Won't you pull up a fucking chair and grab a bowl and a spoon? Don't worry about that. It's just a bit of gristle. <laughs> I love your brain, Mark. It's so weird. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I am so blessed to get to just watch your thought process happen here. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, knowing you don't know where you're going any more than you're I do. seeing it at the same time as I am. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. So yes, welcome everyone to Jack of All Graves. I think a, a Jack of All Graves that's going to be of that that latter type, that interesting and exciting kind where, where we learn some stuff uh, mm. that maybe has a little bit of a dark tinge because it always does, but I think it's kind of a vibrant episode today, don't you? Well, I've said it time and time again. Uh, I am someone who you want on your pub quiz team now. Mm. Since Jack of All Graves uh, was born almost two years ago. I know, which is wild. Absolutely wild. Which is fucked. And this is going to be one of those episodes, I think. We're going to talk about some shit. We've got a bunch of movies to go into. It's been a spectacular movie week for me. I've seen a whole bunch of really fucking high quality. I don't think I've had any shitters this week. Oh, it's such a beautiful thing. I love yeah. that so much. Hit after hit after hit. Um, ah, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be great fun to go into some of those. Indeed. And it is a holiday weekend over here. Um, the, the holiday that must not be named. Hopefully, because it sucks. Because America sucks, Mark. That's why. Well, no, I mean, it's Independence Day, isn't it? It's Independence Day. Yeah. It's Independence Day. Will Smith punching that fucking alien. Mm -hmm. oh, Welcome we'll to America. Shit out of uh. that tomorrow. I'll be watching yeah. Independence Day. Is there, no, welcome to Earth. That's what he says, isn't it? We want. How is. <laughs> welcome how to Earth. Earth? <laughs> I haven't seen Independence Day now. Maybe he didn't say it exactly <laughs> like that. Welcome to Earth. No, I'm thinking of someone else, aren't I? Uh, that's all albuterol <laughs> in his one man show you, of Independence Day. But uh, no, listen. If you are of the American persuasion this weekend mm. light up your fireworks folks light them up light them up or don't because... be careful most of the country is in drought uh and dogs don't like it so be careful about your fireworks <laughs> but Corey, people have a right to celebrate yeah i'm not one of those I... listen there's some people who are like vehemently anti-fireworks and i think that's yeah, a little much here. It's not like, like, like listen, them. this is, yeah, I, I love to watch them. Mm -hmm. I understand why people have issues with them. Dogs and pets and stuff like that do go missing every year on the 4th of July. It disturbs mm. animals in the wild. It well, your dog's people deaf with and blind as fuck, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and even, even when he wasn't, he had no problem with it. We took him to yeah, Civil yeah, War yeah. reenactments. He was fine. <laughs> um, my thing is, I'm like, you do... There are people who are just like... Like, I have literally seen people post on Facebook, like, anyone who lights fireworks work should literally be put to death for doing it. And you're like... And people are like, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay, it's not like you can't see it coming. It's going to happen every year on the yeah. 4th of July. 
and probably for the week surrounding it. Like if you and anyone who has these kinds of complaints is a rich white person anyway. So go get a cabin somewhere <laughs> in the woods well, where you will I'm not, not... going to go that far. I'm not, I'm not going to try and negate anyone's experience. I'm well, not going to try like, and... I am negating anyone's experience who goes that hard, who says people should okay. be executed for lighting off fireworks. Well, yeah. Having I mean... an issue with, like, this is a struggle for me, that's different. I, I empathize with that. If you're the kind of person who's like... Our, our <laughs> local village facebook groups a thing uh i mean uh, villages over, aren't a thing but side of the yeah town you know what i'm saying like yes town <laughs> yeah sure because anyone here in this i'm sure who's who's given even a cursory glance through their town's facebook group will relate mm-hmm. every time a firework goes off who's letting off fireworks <laughs> right no 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 no, no. it should yeah. be you know, and, and you're right yeah some of the some of the responses are uh hyperbolic in the extreme yeah and that's that's what i don't have patience for it it, like this is a holiday that you've experienced your entire life it's going to happen you need to calm your tits however i understand the criticisms of fireworks and i empathize with people and pets and animals that are disturbed by them i empathize because Mm -hmm. i think if we could all empathize a little bit more, I don't think that we'd have half the problems that we currently have. It's true. So I try my best to practice empathy wherever I can. And do you know what? It, 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 it really shows those who don't in stark relief. Yes. When you, cause listen, I'm, I'm, I'm only two, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only a third joking here. I have made a conscious effort over the last year or so to try and practice empathy a little bit more mm-hmm. and it has made those who don't all the more obvious to me uh, that's 100 percent true i mean i've always said that empathy is the thing that we need most in the world and that it should be taught early because i mm. think you can learn how to be to empathize with people better yes um you can and it, like I think you know this idea of when people when you are actively practicing that other people not doing it becomes more stark and I think of like right now the whole thing with like Jordan Peterson just like misgendering Elliot Page and being like I would rather die than call Elliot Page Elliot and stuff like that it, when you watch stuff like that you're just like it's people who see lacking like they just lack empathy and they think that's a virtue you <laughs> like mm. I cannot possibly put myself in the shoes of another human being and it doesn't impact me at all but i have to be angry about it (laughs) it goes hand in glove with self-awareness the Mm -hmm. ability to look at yourself through external eyes Mm -hmm. if you could see yourself acting the way you do what would you think right you know that's the fucking key to empathy just Try and step outside of your own fucking physicality for a second and look at yourself with external eyes. Mm. What would you think of you? That's such a great way of looking at it. Because I watched this um, this documentary this week. Uh, it's like a docu-series that Freeform put out called The Deep End. And it's about this like kind of self-help, wellnessy influencer named Teal Swan. I'd never heard of her, but she's hugely influential like you know million plus followers kind of person mm. she's essentially leading a cult you know mm-hmm. she's got an inner circle that is very much a cult and then an outer circle that's just a bunch Have of we people spoken about are... her on jog before yeah. no i'd never though... heard of her 
<laughs> the woman with the fucking huge head. No, 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 no. That's a that's a different. That's a Christian okay, thing. Okay, okay. Um, this one, no, she. This is not a Christian thing. Um, it's like her thing is trying to solve suffering in the world. Uh, and when she makes her like YouTube videos and stuff like that, that these people who are all just like broken people watch, she looks like this very um, empathetic person, like someone who like understands you and wants to speak to your pain and all of that stuff. Mm. Uh, this documentary has incredible access to her and she is a textbook narcissist and one of the worst human beings I have ever seen in my entire life. But the thing about narcissists is that in their eyes, they they see themselves obviously very different than the rest of us do. So she certainly Main gave them... syndrome. Yeah, it. she certainly thought by giving them access, everyone's going to look at this and be like, wow, what an amazing person. <laughs> and I wonder, watching this back, what she's going to think seeing herself, if she can look at it through someone else's eyes instead of her own, yes. which you can't do, which she can't do in and of herself and see like, holy yeah. shit, I look like a monster because she is, yeah. she's an absolute monster. And I think that that's the thing that this is kind of, you can't watch this and take anything else from it. You watch her just manipulate people in these horrendous ways to the point of like, just constantly telling people to kill themselves and several do <laughs> like just a terrible person. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's like if you could look at that through someone else's eyes, yep. how would you feel about that? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, don't be a dick. How do we... Empathize. Yeah, don't be... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be a dick. And, and I, I I, could I could go on, right? But I won't. I mean, you're welcome to if you want, but... No, I know that. I know that, but... Without referring to kind of specific fucking instances and people that have got me thinking like this today, mm. I won't. Fair I won't go on because who benefits from that? No one. Right, goes against the trying to be empathetic thing or whatever to exactly call it this. But yes, that is that is a lesson everyone needs, and it applies, of course, to Fourth of the of July fireworks. If you're mm. gonna be lighting them off, be sensitive about it. Don't be a jerk. But don't let that stop you from celebrating. I mean, there's plenty of things that should stop you from celebrating America, realistically. If you're American right now, you've got a lot <laughs> to celebrate. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of lot really of, lot of great independence things to yeah. celebrate right now, which is cool. I mean, my approach to Independence Day for years and years and years has just sort of been a like, it's a day where I barbecue and I watch some movies I like. Um, mm. And it has nothing to do with celebrating America, you know. Just like no. Christmas is not a day to celebrate Christ for people who aren't Christians, you know. Well, it's divorced from context. Not uh, hey, if you do, if you do have a few too many white clothes and hook up with somebody this Independence Day, maybe be careful. What? You know. And don't that's get your hit message by any to fireworks. the. That's to the... that's my message. Okay, try not to try not to make any terrible sex decisions while white claw wasted that's your independence day advice try and stay physically safe because there's no abortion or health care do you see what i'm saying yeah yeah i see it yeah (laughs) um (laughs) so yeah enjoy enjoy friends i hope it it's good um and hey we're putting up a new Mark's Video Rants Wheel of Justice submission post so that if you have not changed yours and you want to change it, you can go ahead yeah. and do that. 
Or if your movie has been recently picked and you haven't submitted a new one, put a new one in there. It, you're still a part of this. So we want your movies to end up on the Wheel of Justice. I wouldn't say I would. I'd go even further to say you're still a part of this. It's all about you. Wow. Okay. It's all about you. Video rants is all about you. It's you pulling the strings. It's you pressing the buttons. It's you, not us. <laughs> now you're starting to sound weird and self-helpy. <laughs> it's getting a little creepy in here. Um, I'm having some issues with this week, with this month. So I'm having some issues with Synecdoche, New York. Uh, and I've 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 talked to you about this briefly before, right? Mm. But I'm I'm having a big psychological block. Uh, in sitting down and working it through. Because I know that I'm that it's a movie that is going to force me to put in some work myself, and I'm not really mm. into that. Yeah, not um, in the mood for that thinking and what. Obviously, I'm going to do it. Obviously, I'm going to fucking do it. Of course, I am. Uh, but I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to meet the movie halfway, <laughs> and I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Understandable. I don't want to do it. I. I I I think I might be through. I'm 43, right? Right? Uh-huh. I am old as fuck. I am I'm a husk. You're middle-aged. You're in the middle of life. All right, but the last decade isn't going to be great, is it? That's the you know when you're all winding down uh-huh. and you know you're shitting yourself. <laughs> and you, you know, you can't. So you're gonna do your when you're family. eighty. You're you're gonna be shitting yourself, shitting myself, uh, and I won't be able to recognize any of my family. One of any, I'm friends to be dead. Wow, I feel okay. that begins. That's that's that process has already begun for me now. <laughs> so, having to meet a film halfway and fill in some of the blanks myself, I don't really want to do it anymore. I want to be fed. Okay, but this is how this is how cook. you end up with your brain stopping working too early. You have to keep on forcing yourself to think, or you're just oh. you're going to be out of practice. Mm, yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. Shit, that's right. So, really, yeah. Colin did you a favor with Snick yeah, yeah. keeping those synapses. Now fired. you've reframed it, haven't you? You've reframed it for me. I know, right? Now who's the self help guru? <laughs> I have been helped. <laughs> yeah, fair play. Yeah, you've reframed it for me. You've put that in in terms that actually feel attractive to me. Oh, beautiful. I love that. There is a light directly above your head in the mirror. And the way that it sits above your head makes you look like an anglerfish. Well, I'll tell you something. There is a very dim light in the background of your shot there. And about 20 minutes ago, I scratched and rubbed at my screen thinking it was a speck of schmutz. (laughs) I see it now. Got a little little spot. Yes, I, I came quite close to damaging the screen of my Mac because I thought... <laughs> so, why won't it come off? Exactly, out to damn spot. I don't even know what that is, to be honest with you. There is no light behind me. Oh, wait. Hmm. Ah, carbon monoxide uh, no, detector. If, if this was a Jed Shepard film when he was good, uh, this would <laughs> lead to a jump scare. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Uh, speaking of jump scares, do we want to talk about what we've watched this week? Because it has been a hell of a week for... It's been a vintage week. For the for Joag team. film and entertainment. Yes. Mm, beautiful. Where would you like to start? Uh, which I think 
do you want to where where do you want to start well the first the first the first movie i watched this week was the recent uh alex garland uh a24 movie uh we're just normal men (laughs) i believe it's called to give it its full title yeah open brackets we're just normal end brackets men (laughs) yeah no you saw this a while back didn't you i did yes and I've been very interested to talk about it because of sort of audience reactions to it and whatnot. Um, I, which I haven't seen, you know, I haven't seen mm-hmm. any, because I've been so keen to see it. Yeah, I've you're avoiding put up the shutters and yeah. completely avoided any discourse. Uh, so I don't know if people liked it or not. I don't care if people liked it or not, frankly, because I did. I liked it a whole bunch. Right? It's really yeah. good. Yes, it's, it is. It is. In my opinion, genuinely scary, which is very yeah, rare to me. Agreed. Um, I think I really felt... Just keenly, and this was, I had an interesting conversation with um, Kate, who is um, Ben from Dead and Lovely's wife about this, that she felt that because she liked it, but she felt that the thing about it was um, she didn't find it scary because it's just everyday woman experiences. And I felt the opposite. It is everyday women's experiences. And that's why it's so scary. (laughs) Um, So just things in it, you know, where she, the character makes decisions that sometimes you can't help but be like, why are you doing that? Why are you going on a hike alone or something like that? You know, like, of course, something terrible is going to happen to you. Uh, She doesn't make perfect decisions throughout this movie, but also they're decisions that shouldn't have to be terrifying decisions. Exactly. Uh, We we know that she's in a horror film. She doesn't. Right. Exactly. And it's well, and it's everyday stuff, you know, like, why should it be that a woman can't go on a hike by herself? A guy can. Um, so it's, she is pushing back against like, like not necessarily on purpose, but she is pushing back against these kinds of things that like a guy wouldn't be scared of. And she is, she's doing things as if she doesn't have to be scared. And yet everything goes awry. And yet men. (laughs) Uh, in its way, right. It's, remember Lucky? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> same film. It's the same film. Well, right, exactly. It's same. And it's it's by no means thing. any more subtle or no. You know, it's it's blunt force trauma. This message movie. It is a message mm-hmm. movie. Yes, and it definitely. is. You don't have to look too fucking hard for the message, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it 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 is stylish and in its way quite playful, right? Mm-hmm. In ways that you know. Lucky could never in a fucking million years dream of being. Right. Um, for those who haven't seen We're Just Normal Men, uh, the the bit is that uh, I can't remember the name of our of our protagonist. Ah, uh, shit, me neither. But processing trauma and grief uh, takes herself away to a, a British village, rents a, a house to get some work done. And to, to cope with what she's just experienced, the death of a partner, the suicide of a partner right in front of her, uh, who was, you know, narcissistic and manipulative and controlling and, and, and kind of emotionally damaged and violent. Um, and one by one, we meet the men, uh, the titular men of this village, all of whom express, all of whom exhibit, you know, their own fucking elements of... of toxic horrific masculinity and patriarchal structures you know we first meet the landlord of the house she's staying in who is 
creepy but in a fucking harmless dim right. sort of way yeah. mm-hmm. but then one by one we meet predatory men offensive men inept inconsequential stupid men uh stalkers creepy fucking violent men all of whom have the same face right yeah and the way that the film reveals that is so playful and so fucking fun from a from a from a cinematic perspective it's the kid isn't it it's the boy right yeah yeah with a mask, mask. on with a uh, you know a a news agent corner shop clown mask and you know the, the, the very fact that you've got a masked character in a horror film is loaded mm-hmm. uh with expectation you know that there's going to be something fucked under that mask but right. when the kid lifts the mask and we find an adult greg kinnear's face rory Rory, sorry, yes. yes. <laughs> um, son of Roy Kinnear, who we spoke about on uh, Jack of All Graves last year. Mm-hmm. Fucking horse fell on him. There we go. Um, and yeah, every every single guy is the same face, which is... I, I fucking love the gimmick, man. Right, I yeah. absolutely loved it. It landed like a motherfucker for me. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Because the film doesn't... A tall play for laughs. Right. Uh, and I don't think, do stop me if you remember it differently, but I don't think anybody at any point points out that all of these fucking men have the no. same face. No, it is unremarked upon the entire time. Yeah. Which is brilliant. It's it's absolutely brilliant. And I think, you know, the, the thing about it that you kind of get and with a very heavy handed, gross metaphor at the end of it for the sort of climax of this, but... All in all, no matter what kind of man these guys are, whether it's the, you know, harmless landlord or the, you know, violent stalker or not even violent stalker, but the mm. stalker or a, a violent, um, you know, robber. That even kind of the thing. harmless landlord right, is patronizing, all, condescending. Right, they're and it's, all you know? and they're all supporting the same structure. Right. Yes. So like there's like yes. a scene in the pub where she's like really being disbelieved by everyone about what has happened to her and everyone, including that landlord are a part of this, like downplaying her experiences. Mm. And, you know, no matter what it, that's what makes them interchangeable (laughs) is that it doesn't matter whether they are the ones actively doing the violence or the ones sitting back and letting it happen. Mm. It's all interchangeable when the same violence happens to you, you know? A point which is hammered home, <laughs> viscerally, yes, and with Grand Guignol and fucking shock and awe <laughs> by the last ten minutes of the film, yeah. which we obviously uh, won't give away. Yeah, very Alex Garlandy uh, climax. Mm. What I think is interesting about the reception of this is like, so take Lucky versus this that are essentially saying and doing the same thing. Um. But Lucky, people raved about, um, and it's made by a woman. This one is obviously made by Alex Garland, a male. Yes, and, yes, yes, yes. Uh, the reviews on it are largely like, this doesn't say anything. Everyone already knows this. Like, this is like just such like, oh, a man discovers that it's hard to be a woman, <laughs> things like that. And so it's it does the exact same thing um, better and mm. I think it is a man speaking to other men about these things. And yeah, you know, it may be a revelation for him or whatever, but it is mm. odd to me to take these two stories 
that do the same thing and decide that simply because this isn't the first person to discover that (laughs) men are trash, this is now not a good movie. Um, I thought that was such a weird reaction from people who claim to be feminists, you know, to be like, this just... This just isn't a feminist enough movie. Yeah, particularly as, again, like I can only speak from my own perspective, which is of a fucking white male. Right? Mm-hmm. But it appears to me as though one of the, one of the, a small reason, but one of the reasons why these structures are allowed to continue and to propagate themselves is that not enough men speak out about them. Right. Not enough men acknowledge them to other men. Yeah. So what is this if not a man fucking talking about this to, to you know, pointing out the structures, pointing out the faults in the structures that he's a part of? Right. How exactly. can that be a bad thing? Yeah, that's kind of my, my take on it. I thought that was a very strange reaction from people is that we do largely demand, like, now it's time for men to start talking about this. You know, we talked about that. Uh, in the responses to Sarah Everard in in the UK, you know, and that that mm. really had people saying like, "Men, it is time to fucking say something, and yeah, you know, yeah, do yeah. something." And so, to me, I think a man who managed to create a piece like this that really does capture what it feels like to be a woman moving through the world was really meaningful mm. and to be able to speak that. So I expected the backlash to be from men. I expected men yeah, to be yeah, like. Yeah, sure. You know, oh, this is just a, a one of those white knights trying to, you know, sleep with women by being a good SJW. Like that kind of thing. Of that was what I thought the critique was going to be. And instead and it that was... last 10 minutes is fucking brilliant. <laughs> is, the, the one thing about that, and I mentioned this before, is that I think what I said was if the, that had been practical, it would have hit way harder because the CGI, I think, kind of takes you out of how visceral it is. Let um, me just put it like a little buffer here, a spoiler buffer, because I do want to talk about it. Okay, let's give anyone skip forward. H- how long do you think you're going to you're gonna take that? Oh, three minutes. Okay, skip forward three minutes if you don't want to know what uh, happens in this, this climax. So firstly, you know, you've got the incredible image of <laughs> men giving birth to fully grown pregnant men. Right. Yeah. Incredible, right? Yeah. Out of various man assies around the fucking around their fucking <laughs> form, right? As some one one of the versions gives birth to another fully pregnant man out of a fucking you know, out of out of, out of an opening on his back. Incredible. Yeah. It's pretty horrendous. But, what I took, what what occurred to me though, every single new version is born with the injuries sustained right. by the last version, which yes. fucking I thought was insightful as fuck. You had that amazing kind of lobster claw, yeah, uh, dissection of the arm that 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 the kid sustained and, and and a broken ankle. But every time a new fucking version was born, they still had those injuries. The men are passing the fucking structures down to the next generation because they aren't fixing them. I love that. And they're all the injuries, of course, of the the dead partner. You know. The, yes. 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 Partner. Yes. 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 What happened to him when he impaled himself? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that that was definitely 
a good metaphor, you know? Is it an on-the-nose metaphor? Absolutely, but I still think it's yes. a powerful one, nonetheless. I completely agree. I, I... Why why is on-the-nose necessarily a bad thing in, in cases right. like this? Fucking hammer it home, mate. Yeah. And that didn't work with Lucky, where it was, like, predictable, oh, God, is it gonna no, so. turn out to be all men? And then, mm. and then it actually was, like... <laughs> Where it was like, okay, yeah, no, we get it. Like it was, but this was done with absolute fucking, yeah, done in a in that that is some imagery that I fucking guarantee you you've (laughs) never seen before on screen. And if you have, frankly, I want to know what you've been watching because I want to see it too. (laughs) And honestly, what was more disturbing than the birth was the the guy turning into a plant essentially, or like just carving himself and sticking plant pieces into him. I was like. That's Alec Garland as fuck, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think we would both say, and spoilers yeah. over and whatnot, that Men is a very worthwhile watch. Would you? You said like four horrible stars or something like oh, that. Four absolutely fucking grim as fuck stars for yeah. with just normal men. <laughs> I love that you you. You've become obsessed. I don't know why this week you've become especially obsessed with this, but I've been obsessed with it for ages, right? But now but it's I've like coming it, out a lot more than I've usual. I've kept it within our four walls. I say it to Laura and the boys like about seven times a day. <laughs> I'm sure they love that. Uh, but I love that you you posted it on your Facebook, and your brother was like, "I do not understand this." Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, don't don't look too hard. It's a it's a really good point. <laughs> also this week uh we watched so one of the fun things this week was that we time traveled through movies by watching a movie from 1982 and a movie from night from 2022 nice yes we did 40 we did. Gap. we did we did uh 40 years of <laughs> horror encapsulated bookended if you will uh by two very different films uh do you want to talk? Let's let's go back to nineteen eighty two first. Yeah, and alone well. in the dark. Alone in the dark, which was uh, it was technically your turn to pick the movie, uh, but yeah, but yeah. I had nothing. Yeah. So when I go through Letterbox and I look at like other people what they've been watching, occasionally I just mark things to my watch list, and then mm. I go through and I have no idea how they got there. <laughs> but I'm like, ah, uh, maybe I'll watch that. So I had for whatever reason someone had watched Alone in the Dark, and I was like, this sounds like fun. The synopsis basically is that there's a power outage at a uh, insane asylum, and four of the inmates go to try to like, or what does it say? It's like they attack the home of their therapist. Yeah, like a siege movie almost. Exactly. Um, um, and I was like, that just, sounds like What fun. I will preface this by saying is that until you suggested this for us to watch, I had never heard of it. I right. had no idea this fucking film existed, but it's, you know, New Line Cinema before Freddy, mm-hmm. produced by Robert Shea. Yep. You know what I mean? A Lynn fucking... Shea comes in real early. She really does. <laughs> uh, you know, 40 years younger, but completely recognizable. Yeah. Very distinctive the... face. Yeah, very distinctive. And I feel like... So she comes in very early in this movie and really gives you a sense of kind of the the sense of humor of this movie and where it's going. Because, you know, the the main character in this, uh, whose real name, I have no idea 
what it is. Dwight Schultz. Do you mean Dwight Schultz? Dwight Schultz, yes. That's what his actual name Howlin is. Mad Murdoch, Lieutenant uh, Barkley from the Enterprise. Yeah, Barkley is what I, I call him. And um, mm-hmm. he comes into this asylum having replaced in another doctor and he wants to go see uh, the sort of head of this asylum who is played by a suitably unhinged Donald Pleasance. And Donald Pleasance he... doing that role that he does yeah and he says to you know lin shay who appears to be the um secretary like hey uh, i'd like to see dr so-and-so and she's like oh you can't see him he's like is he here yes he's always here well, why can't i see him and she finally says because he's invisible and <laughs> he drops oh oh okay <laughs> so yeah. that's what's happening here she's one of them interesting and the movie is batshit full of people i mean you've it's got terrific. donald pleasance and dwight schultz that uh, we determined his name is dwight schultz yes you've got... then uh our uh, uh uh antagonists our escapees you've got fucking king kong bundy thank you very much <laughs> king <laughs> who kong i don't bundy. know who that is but uh you do fucking so. hell wwf legend king kong bundy uh, who you also would have seen in... He, he had a cameo in an episode of Married with Children once. <laughs> um, but you'd know King Kong Bundy from the main event of WrestleMania 2, where he fought Hulk Hogan in a steel cage. There you go. So you've got yeah. him. You've got... Who else? Do it? Martin Landau. Martin Landau. Uh, you've got... Giving Jack... off big Javier Bardem, uh, No Country for Old Men vibes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You've got Jack Palance in there. Oh, God, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just like a, a wild cast of people yeah, it's fantastic. in this. And it was so much fun. Like you said, Siege movie, essentially. You know, these people end up locked in their house with trying to not get murdered by the uh, psychopaths outside. Um, with some good twistiness that happens inside that house as well. Yes, 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 yes. It's a Excellent. great time. It is. Yeah, um... Yeah, super glad that, uh, you know, it, it, you, you put it in my consciousness. Because had I never met you, I still would not know that film existed. It's true. You're welcome. Mm. Yeah, lots of fun. And then fast forward 40 years hmm. to 2022. Yes. And the ringing of the black phone. Ooh, the black phone. That was also a lot of fun. Well, maybe fun is the wrong word. No, it is fun. Uh, it's a lot of in, things. <laughs> in the same way as I did with men, I completely threw up the 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 walls as far as the black phone is concerned. Didn't see a trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I only the vaguest, vaguest notion of what it was even about. I see. I think I may have had a, seen a trailer at one point, but I definitely erased from my memory what it was about. I just knew I wanted to see it, and it's been pushed mm. off so many times. And I've just been like, oh, I really want to see this. So I really didn't know what it was about mm. at all, except Ethan Hawke in a creepy mask. That was it. Good to see him having something of a career renaissance. I mean, he's always he's always mm. there, isn't he? It's like he just he takes breaks and he writes books and stuff every now and again mm. or makes documentaries and things. But Ethan Hawke is never truly gone. Mm. Well, <laughs> he's got some of that Marvel money now. And, you know, it's it's good to see him. What's the Mar- Marvel money? He was in Moon Knight. Oh, right. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. I still haven't finished that. I have to go back. So behind. Um, um, but the Black yeah. Phone, the Black Phone, Black Phone. Um, what did I say after I saw the Black Phone to you? What did I say to you? I, I'll repeat it just in case you'd forgotten. Okay. The Black Phone felt to me like a oh, vibe yeah. twin. The Pet Cemetery. Uh, 
to Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. the movie, right? As opposed to the book, the movie has lots of thematic things in common that that you might not have thought at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember that in the opening credits, it's based on a piece by Joe Hill. Oh, well, there you go. Keeping it in the family. There you fucking go. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the Black Phone is a story of uh, a serial child abductor in a small town in 1978, America. Uh, it's got some very unflinching scenes of child-on-child violence, this film. Fuck oh, me. Oh, yeah. Kids yep. wail the fuck out of one another. Yeah, very much so. Uh, in this movie, in a schoolyard, you know, brawl type situation, kids punching the living shit out of one another. But also had like a Stand By Me vibe, I found. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In yeah, I that see that. The story is told very much from the kids' perspective. Yeah. It's the kids against their teachers. It's the kids against mm-hmm. their abusive parents. It's the kids against this fucking evil force, which is, you know, snatching them from the streets. Yeah. It's the kids who have to get out of this. Right. It, it's it's an it vibe. I was about to say, it's also it. Yeah, very much so. All of which makes perfect sense when you realize it's a it's a King family joint. Yeah. And I, I've always loved that. I think that this is a thing that we've kind of drifted away from in that I think that a lot of media doesn't paint kids as what kids are really like, you know? Um, and yes. I think Stranger Things does a good job. But, like, it really has to be kind of period piece type things that this happens in. Where it's yes. like, you remember what it was like when you were a kid. And, yes. you know, you were foul-mouthed. And you were experimenting yep. with being, like, an adult by doing things that you shouldn't do. And yep. this. And, you know, Learning kids the boundaries the of the world around you. Exactly. Exactly that. And that, I think that this movie really captures that in a way that I like in... These kids, like you said, it, that's what it feels like when you're a kid, right? It's, it's you against the adult world and everything trying to push back against you. And then you add also this violent predator to the mix. Um, and so I really liked, obviously, the sister in this is, you know, a highlight. Fucking brilliant. This. My yeah. God, she was good. Phenomenal. Like, all super, like, taken aback at just how <laughs> right. Uh, authentic the performance of this little yeah. girl was. She's going places, that one. She I was completely agree. phenomenal in completely it. Completely agree. Um, but I also, you know, one of the things that I often say on this show, and I don't want to give away, like, the central conceit of this, except to say that uh, it lets the supernatural be supernatural. Yes. Um, and I hate that most movies now, it turns out whatever supernatural thing you thought was happening is somebody's mental illness. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, yeah. it isn't yeah, 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 actually yeah, yeah. happening. And in this, yeah. if it isn't really happening, the movie doesn't happen. It doesn't make sense. Quite it right. is 100 Which is Which is real. where I drew the vibe connection between this and Pet Cemetery. Right. Pet Cemetery has that same, you know, uh, being helped by the spirits of the departed kind of mm-hmm. thing going on. Yeah, exactly. And I loved it, man. Yeah, it, it, it works so well it's one of those things that i immediately was like i want to see it again i want to watch this yeah, movie yeah, yeah. again i mean it's certainly at times very brutal to watch there is also not just kids wailing on each other but adult wailing on childness that is hard oh, to yeah, watch yeah 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 uh, yes, in yes. this movie so you know a, a definite content warning for um that if that's the kind of thing that will mm. be difficult for you to watch in something um, it's, it's, yeah, it's an unflinching, very seventies, you know, late seventies vibe in that way. Like this is what it was like <laughs> at that point. Um, mm. and mixed of course with like 
Scott Derrickson's a Christian, so he's got his his themes that is he that was right? gonna. Yeah, he's he went to Biola, uh, which is the neighboring Christian school to mine, um, and he did like the exorcism of Emily Rose, and was, you know his his faith kind of definitely informs the kinds of things he does. But that's why you get yeah, a real yeah, yeah, supernatural um, element to this, um, and I think if you watch Scott Derrickson's work in general, you see very much his style. Uh-huh throughout this entire thing that works well like i said to you at the time this is this is i've always been ambivalent towards bloomhouse right Mm -hmm. um while i can absolutely see and respect and be grateful for the impact that jason bloom and his studio have had on horror and the profile of horror right yeah i've always been a little bit about the actual content Mm um but this is the one that's properly pushed me off the fence into the pro right. house category because this is a fucking banging film it really yeah, is it really is uh and when i turned on my run p app uh <laughs> i saw that it always asks you to like rate your expectation of the movie before and then your expectation afterwards and when you open it up it tells you what do people normally uh mm. come out with you know so when i went to see jurassic world worse than people expected uh Mm. when i came into this it was like better than people expected it to be it's just i think it's surprising it's got a lot of unique elements to it and one of the things in this movie was that i had kind of settled into this not being a jump scare movie uh there's a few real good timer in in there i'm sure we're thinking of the same one yeah (laughs) uh there is if if you've seen Black Phone, you know what we're talking about. And if you haven't seen Black Phone, you will know <laughs> yeah, what we're talking about afterwards. You'll mean no. I literally screamed and like my <sighs> whole body, like just like, you know, what you would do as a jump when you're sitting down. That's what I did. And my husband kind of like patted my arm. <laughs> you okay? Uh, I was in that that most hallowed and holy situation of being the only person in the theater for oh, Black Phone. So good. Uh, and I involuntarily shouted "fuck off" when that <laughs> scream happened. And when I say I mean shouted, I shouted "fuck yeah. off" when that happened. Well, I've seen you get jump scared before, and I believe that completely. Yes. <laughs> After yes, playing yes, Evil yes. Dead with you and seeing how you react to being <laughs> jump scared, yeah. yeah, it was a scare trap level. Yeah. <laughs> reaction. <laughs> yeah, absolutely got me in a way that very rarely these actually do uh so yeah if you've seen it you know if you haven't you will you will know uh, what happens and look if you weren't expecting this bit of the conversation then you haven't been listening to jack of all graves there's a, th- a thread throughout the film of this little sister this beautiful performance getting in touch with her dreams to try and solve the case you when if when if the time isn't right now then when will the time be right come on <laughs> i'm not fucking going anywhere the time is right uh, i think it's coming now we're seeing like active movement yeah. on yeah, this yeah. so it is in the, the, the bloomhouse studio ident at the beginning you, you get a little flash of michael myers and there's a little flash of all the other various bloomhouse properties and i was just thinking would it be lovely to see just a little stripy sweater in that fucking ident <laughs> I'm going to be unbearable when it happens, you know. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Or more so. (laughs) More so, yeah. (laughs) But then, after that, what will you have left to hope and and dream for? Sequel. Oh, valid point. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I also watched this week uh, for Dead and Lovely Scream and Chat. It was uh, it's the season finale of Joe Bob. I was super exhausted, so I didn't even manage to like chat through it. But watched the first movie, which was one called Uncle Sam. It's from 1996, but it feels mm. like it was made in like 1980. Um, mm. And it's it's so. It's a confusing movie, and I would actually recommend to people to watch the Joe Bob episode watching this. I think that's the only way you should watch Uncle Sam. The basic premise of this movie is that this kid, his uncle, is like his hero, you know, and he's fighting in the Gulf War and is killed and, um, you know, comes back in a coffin and they're having like I don't know like a wake or something for whatever reason he's like lying in his Mm -hmm. coffin in their home uh and then the zombie of his uncle Sam comes back gets a hold of this uncle Sam costume and starts murdering people he sees as sort of like Uncle Sam with the American icon like the yes exactly uh not adhering to American values essentially and it's very confusing because you're never entirely sure if you're supposed to be rooting for or against him. Uh, okay. And that is a problem <laughs> in this movie where you're like, okay, we're introduced to characters who are doing some really shitty things and him killing them. You're like, okay, great. So we're on his side. On the other hand, he's like killing people who don't deserve it. And also it's like this weird military worship thing. But then also we do find like, okay, he is the villain in this movie. Mm. And it's just, it's a deeply, it's a deeply confusing movie and it's not meant to be. You can tell that that's not like, oh, this is a choice about like moral ambiguity or anything like that. It's It's just like, it's just unfocused. (laughs) It's very messy is what this movie is. (laughs) But Joe Bob talking about it, he's also like, what the fuck is happening here? And has some great rants doing it, including one of the best rants i've ever seen on media literacy and he just goes on this long tangent about like how you can tell what good sources are and things like that and like Mm, how you know things aren't and it's completely i mean it's joe bob he always goes on weird tangents um but he goes on this it's, it's phenomenal and he also has one about like the statue of liberty and our various um symbols of america and why it should have remained the Statue of Liberty and not these like more toxic things that we think of as symbols of this country. So, uh, like, you know, he talks about uncle Sam, obviously, (laughs) um, and like the bald Eagle and like all these different things that ultimately are like things that like represent violence or like, you know, just a lot of stuff that we associate with America that, gives us a shitty sense of what we are as opposed to the Statue of Liberty that the whole point is about like welcoming immigrants and of uh, being a place of safe harbor and of yes. uh, you know creating an equitable society that says you know I mean that's what's on the the in the poem by Emma Lazarus right where it's t- saying like uh, keep all you ancient lands your storied pomp right like keep all of your like cool awesome rich people who are you know strong and that you worship we don't need those like i'm gonna take your huddled masses and this is gonna be a place for them right okay that's what america should be and it's not (laughs) and so he has a very good bit in there about that so watch the joe bob episode on shutter 
about it. And that's the only way you should watch Uncle Sam, because otherwise it's just it's an absolute disaster of a film. Okay. Thank you. Um, let me see. What else? What else? What else? Uh, a movie that is not complicated at all and is not at all uh, ambiguous <laughs> is Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe. You're kidding me. I was expecting some very deep themes to be addressed. This is not picture. a film that is troubled with thoughts of subtext <laughs> and duality of meaning. Mm. Go figure. Let's put it like that. No, if if I were to ask you to imagine what this film is, you will be able to imagine it. You, there's almost there's almost no point in watching it. <laughs> because right. it offers you nothing beyond what you already know it is. Mm. Right? Now, that might sound like a condemnation. It is not. Okay. Uh, because there's something almost comforting in the total lack of surprise this film offers. Right? Right. All of the bits that you remember Beavis and Butthead for are there uh, and nothing else. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. You will laugh because it is it is very funny in parts. Mm -hmm. uh, but it will offer you nothing else sure. at all. And yeah. neither should it. Yeah. It's just a little time machine back to sitting in your living room in the 90s. That's exactly what it is. Neither should it. I can appreciate that. Yes. I will get around to it at some point, for sure. Yeah, or or, or don't. It won't right, matter if matter. you don't watch it. it yeah. Because speaking of not getting around to things, I'm becoming convinced that I'm not going to finish off Stranger Things, you know. Oh, wow. I really don't think I'm going to finish it off. And that also means I'm probably not going to watch the next season either. I'm, yeah, that kind of pulls it out. It's aside... two episodes, Mark. Two episodes. Well, I, I haven't seen episode five yet. Okay. Yeah, you're a little I bit tried bad. to watch episode five. I got about 15, 20 minutes in and realized I was bored shitless and dropping off to sleep. See, my thing with this, and I get that, is I don't mind half watching Stranger Things. Like, mm, okay. I don't mind if that is a thing that I have on in the background and I don't get mm. everything, but I get the arc. I mean, there's some episodes, obviously throughout the other seasons, there's things that I'm like deeply invested in and all that stuff. And there's a lot that I like about this season, but mm. also, I was not kicking myself for sometimes playing Candy Crush at the same time or whatever, mm. scrolling stuff. And that's, I feel like it at least earns that much, that you can half watch it to be on board with what's happening. And and I haven't watched the last two episodes. I, the spoilers have been rampant. and It's been really hard to avoid. I will watch them tonight after this. Um, mm. But yeah, I think it's In the it's background worth... while you're editing, no doubt. No, because I can't. I can't multitask. Okay. But it it is worth the um, background watch. I think even if you don't give it all of your attention, that is my only. I don't know. I guess argument for finishing Stranger Things. I don't know if this is only like a half formed thought, but mm. because I object so strongly to what they've done with the running time. Right. Yeah. I, I almost feel as though by watching it anyway, I'm kind of allowing them to win with that sort of bullshit. Aren't you watching it on Plex anyway? No, I'm watching it on Netflix. Oh, okay. Well, watch it on Plex uh, and then you're not even... Then they can't yeah, even can see that, you doing it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
I get it, though. I certainly feel a principled response to making something that doesn't need to be that long that Mm. long. You know that drives me crazy in general, so. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm it. on board with you. I hate it you. in the same way that I hate things like product placement. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, it is unnecessary. It takes me out of the art and just, it, it, it you know, you can see the fucking, the man behind the curtain. It's horrible. Right. And, and that's the thing. You're exactly right. That's the thing that I, I've told you before. I can't remember if I've said it on here, but the thing about the way Netflix makes things, the way they have their showrunners make things, is for them to be something that you can watch while on your phone. And that's part Mm. of why it's padded, is because Mm. it is meant for that. That, like, they make shows with the acknowledgement that no one's giving them their full attention. And, you know, it's... That's... So thus that runtime does. It's exactly pulling back the curtain because it reminds you that this is made for me to not watch completely. You know, and then to come back at these big bold points and suck me back in and then other stuff, I can just kind of sit there and it keeps me on Netflix. You know, I don't change to a different app because I've been sitting here for three hours watching two episodes. That leaves the worst taste in my mouth. Yeah, it's annoying. It's annoying as fuck. Mm. But I love these characters and I do think that there's stuff in it that still gets me you know there's still those what like... was the what was the opposite service that that died on his ass quibby this year or last year quibby that's it, that's <laughs> it, that's it. <laughs> yeah i mean quibby's issue i don't think well the format was stupid in terms of like ooh, short bursts of content but also it was that you could only watch it on your phone and they didn't allow for screenshots or sharing of gifs or anything like that so no one knew what mm. shows were on it which is the key way that you advertise your show is viral yeah. clips that people pass around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Let me run shit. Give me a streaming service. It, it felt as though the concept had merit, though. It felt as right. though the concept was sound. You're and apparently the shows the were really good. Yeah, well, Sam Raimi was involved, wasn't he, in some stuff? Was he? I'm not sure. I, I know a lot so. of people that you'd be surprised, like, every time something. I'm like, Really? Um, mm. And people who watch that stuff were like, actually, these, the content was great. It was just a stupid format. Uh, I second what you just said there. Put you in charge. Thank you. Listen to me, whoever powers the fee. Give me a streaming service. I'm going to fuck shit up. But in the good way. In the best. In the best way. Best way. Now, you've said before, Mark, mm. that you love being wrong. And I'm really glad because, my dear friend, you're 1,000% wrong on the subject of human echolocation. And uh, today, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, some seemingly sort of superhuman powers that people develop um, in various ways. Yes. And I'd like to start because the whole reason this came about was because of your challenging me on the concept of echolocation and thinking yeah, I was a I, giant I mark that, for believing it. I decided that it was psychosomatic. Right. Yeah. Now, let's just be as clear as we can here, right? Are you about to make caveats so you seem less no, wrong? No, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, I... Just so that I'm not misunderstood here, right? Okay. Just so this isn't some sort of fucking kangaroo court. I want to make myself very clear. Okay. I'm not, and I didn't, 
and you can listen to the tape. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that it, it, I I believe that it's more of a placebo than it is an actual provable talent. That the guy or guys or gals walking around clicking, they might feel that it's helping them navigate. And thus, it's having a benefit for them. But do I think that they are physically shooting out sound waves, receiving those sound waves again, and really genuinely forming a picture of their environment based on that? No, I don't. You are still wrong, regardless mm-hmm. of whether you are understood or misunderstood. It might help. I mean, you're incorrect. All right. No, please go on, please. <laughs> Um, and, and I think you're actually going to love this because not only is human echolocation possible and not even disputed, there is not a scientist who thinks that this does not exist. It is 100% accepted. It's not even fucking that hard. In fact, you can huh. teach both visually impaired and sighted people to do it in just 10 weeks. So the research on how it works had been scant for a very long time. But it has been studied at least since the 1940s, at which point it was referred to as facial vision or obstacle sense. Uh, And as it turns out, facial vision is not a wholly inaccurate way to describe it, um, as scientists over the past few years have realized that echolocation is very closely related in brain function to actual vision. People in the 1940s and 50s who were studying it thought it was like some weird sense that people had that was like connected to touch. So they do weird experiments where they like lean you against a metal thing and like bang it and see like if your skin registers vision or something like that. Mm. Um, but it became clear, you know, in the next few decades that actually this was this was something more akin to to vision than to a sense of touch. So researchers at Durham University ran a study using about two dozen adults between the ages of 12 to 79 who attended two... Is that two Durham di- over here? Durham Durham in the north? Oh, actually, that's a good question. Um, I assumed it was here, but no, that might be over there. Not sure. Uh, but these... these So all ages um, for this, not young people or old people, everybody. Uh, they attended two two to three hour echolocation training sessions twice a week for 10 weeks. Some of the test subjects were blind and others weren't. The tests included navigating environments both inside and outside of the lab, so not places they'd memorized, uh, as well as tests like determining sizes of objects stacked on top of each other. And when the training was complete, they compared the echolocation skills of these noobs to those of skilled echolocators who'd been doing it for years. They found that every single participant was able to echolocate, and some of them were even able to do it better than the expert. So, to explain how this works, I'm just going to quote from Science Magazine here, as I don't think I could write a better scientific summary. So, incited people, messages from the retina are relayed to a region at the back of the brain called the primary visual cortex. And we know the layout of this brain region corresponds to the layout of physical space around us. Points that are next to each other in our environment project onto neighboring points on the retina and activate neighboring points in the primary visual cortex. Yeah, I can visualize that. I've seen the diagram. I know how that works. Yes. Right. So in the new study, what these researchers wanted to know was whether blind echolocators use the same type of spatial mapping in the primary visual cortex to process echoes. 
So the researchers asked blind and sighted people to listen to recordings of a clicking sound bouncing off of an object placed at different locations in a room while they lay in a functional magnetic resonance imaging scanner, an fMRI. And the research found that expert echolocators, unlike sighted people and blind people who don't use echolocation, showed activation in the primary visual cortex similar to that of sighted people looking at visual stimuli. So only blind people who had learned to echolocate could were having this um, stimulation in the primary visual cortex. This did not happen in sighted people or in blind people who could not echolocate. So that means the visual cortex seemed to have applied its spatial mapping ability to a different sense. And the more a participant's brain activity aligned with this spatial map during listening, the better they were at guessing the, the location of the object in the recording from its echo. The finding reveals unrecognized neural flexibility, the authors say, and suggests the brain can be trained to make expert use of spatial information, even if it doesn't come through the eyes. And so, you know that I am a, I'm a, you know, a, a big uh, supporter of the concept of neuroplasticity. Exactly, and that's exactly what it is. To oversimplify it, people who are echolocating are using the same area of visual spatial mapping in the brain as we do when we see with our eyes. So if, like you proposed, this was a placebo effect, we would still only be seeing the cortexes that light up from hearing yeah. responding. We are seeing visual cortexes of the brain light up as a result to what they are hearing so daniel kish so the same the 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 same uh, processes in your brain that deal with actual sight getting light back Mm -hmm. are doing something similar but with sound exactly yep okay which is wild so daniel kish who is is president of world access for the blind described seeing with echolocation like this it's flashes You do get a continuous sort of vision the way you might if you used flashlights to light up a darkened scene. It comes into clarity and focus with every flash, a kind of three-dimensional fuzzy geometry. It is in 3D. It has a 3D perspective, and it is a sense of space and spatial relationships. You have a depth of structure, and you have position and dimension. You also have a pretty strong sense of density and texture that are sort of like color, if the color, if you will, of flash sonar. So he was on the phone being interviewed about this taking a walk so he said right now i'm passing by a neighbor's house and she's got a lot of trees surrounding her house it's very treed and hedged and heavily bushed it's very fuzzy it's kind of soft it's kind of wispy foliage has a particular effect a particular signature it puts out a very specific image i can tell you that someone has done a lot of work on our yard because her tree line and hedge line are thinned out Now I'm aware of the fencing behind the tree line, which I always knew was there, but it's much more clear because the tree line is more transparent acoustically. Um, And they said, but, you know, I also have one ear to the phone. So he said, some of it's really clear clear and crisp, some of it's probability and some of it's context. So that's the kind of thing where, like, you just, you kind of know, you can judge, like, you're used to the pattern of it. You've been there, Uh yeah, or you can make an education, educated guess about it. Uh, Some of it, you don't really care what it is. It's just there. It's to be avoided. (laughs) So you can't necessarily make out like, this is a microphone, but I shouldn't walk into it because I can tell there is an object right there, you know. Some of it, I know I'll recognize it if I come back past it again. And then some of it, I could actually sit and draw for you. Uh, So he further explained that someone who can echolocate can navigate things like an obstacle course fairly easily and quickly, even if they've never seen it before. They might not know what obstacles around them are. But sure. they can 
pretty easily and deftly avoid them. And all of this is super important, according to Kish, because blind people have a real sucky time in American society. Some 70% of blind folks are unemployed, which he sees as unnecessary. Uh, People with visual impairments can do much of the same stuff sighted people can do, but we just put a shit ton of barriers in their way. So one way that they can navigate environments built against them is through echolocation. And it can even be useful for those of us with sight. I mean, imagine if you could essentially see in the dark. Um, I know as someone who's constantly walking into things even in broad daylight, it's it's real Mm. enticing to think about being able to sense by sound where you are, no matter the actual visibility. So, yeah, it is a very real thing that they have shown how it works in the brain. And obviously they'll keep on studying this, but it is deeply different than simply hearing something. It's stimulating the same exact thing that our eyes are doing. Well, I'm happy to accept all that. That's fine. (laughs) I'm perfectly happy to take all that on board. And I now wonder... Mm -hmm. Does the emitted sound have to be one that you make yourself for the brain to fucking interpret it properly? Or Mm. is there, uh, could you make it work with some kind of emitter? Is there a frequency, a particular frequency, which is great for bouncing back? Yeah, so for the people who they um, ran the tests on, they didn't have, I don't know if it was all of them, but at least some of them, they didn't have them click. They gave them like a transmitter that emitted a sound. Um, yeah. that was, you know, a tenth of a second or whatever like that. Um, and that was what they used instead. It wasn't someone walking and that works. clicking. And it worked. Yeah. Fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> super, super interesting. And now, now I'd love to, to learn it and be super functional in the dark. Unfortunately, one of the caveats that they did say for this was that, um, attentiveness is an important element of how easily you can Oh, learn. you'd have to be super tuned in, wouldn't you? <laughs> Right. And so they said people who uh, generally scored better on tests of attention were able to pick up echolocation better than those who were uh, less attentive. That's not to say it's impossible. It's just harder if you're like me and your brain is everywhere. Yes. And (laughs) uh, and like me, I mean, you know... Yeah, how you intentionally I surround stimuli. myself yeah. with distractions at all times. <laughs> yeah, you're an echolocator's nightmare. Uh, Daniel Kish yeah. talked about that. That he said one of the issues is that, um, like, life is noisy and there's so much noise pollution basically everywhere you go that you know mm. when you are a, a sighted person you don't necessarily pay attention to. Um, mm. You can kind of process that out but if you are echolocating and you go into say like a gym for example and there's you know the way that things bounce off the walls and all this kind of stuff the sounds of voices everything all over the place becomes much more difficult uh to sort of gain your spatial awareness again not impossible but it's harder than in a his description of how he perceives that input is (laughs) fascinating yeah you can't help but try to picture it right yeah Yeah. sure 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 (laughs) um so i mean that's a sense that surely that's a new sense surely that's a new sense well i don't think that they consider or is it, it retraining new... an existing yeah, it's, sense it's retraining a, a, an existing sense i think you know it's not it is it's hearing and sight mixed together yeah. and being processed 
differently moving that mm. to a part of the brain where normally hearing isn't processed it's not something entirely new altogether much like you know Makes synesthesia you and things like that you know yeah 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 it just it this this what i'm about to talk about or what i'm about to say i don't know man it it, it doesn't sit well with what i've previously spoken about with in terms of I think it's only right and natural that humans live and die in the in in the in the span allocated to them by nature. Right, sure, yeah. Natural selection, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. And training us or physically altering ourselves mm-hmm. to give us advantages that Darwinism hasn't afforded us. But hasn't it? I mean, that's, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? That's, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's not exactly an adaptation, but it is a way in which our brains have evolved to allow us to, mm. to live in the world, even under less than perfect conditions. And in fact, more natural than say a crutch or something like that, that, or your contact lenses that are mm. man-made things you Appliances. have to put yeah, that you have to use in order to be able to make your way through this world. Instead, it is your brain itself adjusting through an evol- evolutionary ability for neuroplasticity. Yeah, contemporary examples of evolution happening kind of within our lifetime, which I'm all about. That I am all about. <laughs> um, we spoke quite recently about kind of high-altitude humans. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. There's another fantastic example of exactly that kind of thing happening in Chile. Okay. Um, fucking, ugh. Actual evolution happening right before our fucking eyes. Uh, so uh, we're in a region of Chile called uh, Quebrada Camarones, right? Okay. Humans first settled there 7,000 years ago. It is the world's driest non-polar desert region, right? Ooh, that sounds miserable. Arid inhospitable properly fucking tough place to live not least because the main water sources in that area are fucking riddled with arsenic oh jesus christ yep not ideal absolutely fucking toxic water and and very you know no alternative water sources right and yet seven thousand years later humans thrive in that region. Of course they do. Of course they do. Of course they do. Uh, natural selection has evolved arsenic resistance in the people of that region. Genetically, um, there is a an enzyme, AS3MT, responsible for metabolizing arsenic in the human body, right? Uh-huh. And uh, tests of uh, 150 people from that those three regions of South America, right? Chile, Argentina, and one other. People from that specific region, uh, 68% of people there had a mutation in the genetic kind of structures which produce that enzyme. Wow. Allowing them to metabolize it safer and quicker compared to only 48% and 8% of the other regions having that same genetic difference that kind of thing is so incredible to me because obviously evolution is not a quick process um and you 
like how does that it's like a how does that happen thing right like because of course what natural selection is right is people who have that enzyme can produce that enzyme are the ones who their uh progeny are going to thrive and continue to survive um but you know how many would have to die first (laughs) before well that develops well one of the one of the biggest uh kind of um one of the biggest, one of the worst effects of arsenic poisoning is miscarriage. Mm, mm-hmm. So basically, the ones that would not be able to survive die in the womb. Exactly. Wow. Exactly this. Fascinating. Isn't that, is that fucking wild? Fascinating. Incredible. Genetic, genetically fucking gaining powers or abilities that other humans don't. And Evolution. what a great one too, because it keeps colonizers out. Yeah, good one. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> we have no use for mm. that space that they're living in. They can safely exist there without uh, all the white people coming in and trying to mm. make something of it. See, it's when it's when we try to give ourselves abilities to modify ourselves. That's fucking. I mean, you get these fucking, air quotes, biohacker nerds, right? Putting, sure. uh, you know, magnets in their fucking ears or in their dicks right. or whatever. <laughs> but what if I told you about a, a substance called chlorine E6, right? Not familiar with it. Thankfully, you're not. I'm glad you're not. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's, a, it's a reagent which is uh, commonly used to assist kind of laser therapy and cancer treatment, right? It's a, a a derivative of chlorophyll, you know, the light yeah. capturing enzyme in plants. Sure. And it it enables, it has light amplification properties, right? It can focus uh, light to kind of minute accuracy to help with laser treatment, mm. right? Um. Now, in two thousand fifteen, there was a fucking mad experiment performed with chlorine E six to create. Even saying this out loud is nuts. Night vision eye drops. Okay. This Check sounds this, vaguely man. familiar, like a thing that I may have heard in passing. Yep. Was... 2015. Absolutely fucking wild. In its in its kind of reagent form, it's like a, a chlorine is a, a black kind of powder, right? Uh-huh. So uh, mix it with good old DMSO. Oh, yeah. <laughs> familiar with that from the toxic lady. Yes, indeed. Uh and, and kind of other agents, and it creates a kind of a thin black liquid which was dripped into the eyes of a test subject. Hmm. And it's after it had been absorbed, much. which it was quite readily, uh-huh. the test subject uh, was then given black uh, scleral contact lenses to completely restrict light from entering the eye. Uh-huh. And then tested with uh, four control subjects. So the... the, the, uh, the test subject who'd had the eye drops and four who hadn't mm-hmm. and in a black room in a, in a completely pitch dark room were asked to recognize symbols in the dark at various distances they were taken to a forest right in the pitch dark a woodland area in the pitch dark given a laser pointer and asked to pick out where people were standing in the dark uh-huh. and the chlorine subject consistently was able to pick out symbols that the controls couldn't wow the chlorine subject could pick out the distant figures 100% of the time wow. with the controls just a 33% identification rate 
next morning after they'd slept it off their eyesight went back to normal night vision fucking eye drops what's the catch uh the methodology of the experiment has been properly criticized and uh, you can't just okay. keep whacking dmso into your yeah, fucking eyes right. well that was my thought up. process the only reason i know what that is is from talking about the toxic lady so that feels like something that you can't as a long-term yes. thing keep on yep putting into somebody yeah, I mean the 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 rigor of the experiment has been criticized, and like I said, you can't keep whacking DMSO into your eyes without fucking them up. But there is general agreement that that actually worked to boost to night vision temporarily. Wow. So, with refinement, wow. with more work, right? You know what I mean? If they find something maybe that's less toxic to put in your eyeball to go along with that, then scientifically created night vision. On the other end of that, let's talk about vision still, but mm. uh, not with science. <laughs> um, enhancing vision on your own. Uh, in Thailand, there's a, a group of people, it's like a set of groups of people um, called the Moken or sea nomads, whose children, it was found, had surprisingly good vision underwater. So in a lifestyle that sounds like my absolute dream, uh, Moken children spend the vast majority of their day diving in the water in search of food. Mm. According to Swedish researcher Anna Gislin, who lived with the Moken along with her six-year-old daughter in 1999, quote, they had their eyes wide open, fishing for clams, shells, and sea cucumbers with no problem at all. This seemed pretty incredible, obviously. I mean, we're talking about in the ocean, in salt water, wow. down there, eyes wide open. She and her daughter certainly couldn't do it, so it had nothing to do with the water. Uh, and she ran an experiment that had Moken children and European children swim down into the water, press their heads against a panel featuring either vertical or horizontal lines, and then come back to the surface and report what they'd seen. And yeah. the Moken children's vision was a full 50% better underwater than that of the European kids. Just through adaptation. Well, we'll, we'll discuss. Um, interestingly, the Moken adults didn't seem to have the same ability. And she figured that was probably important in figuring out why these kids had such incredible eyesight. So if this was some sort of adaptation or something like that, likely they would have had that. And, and yeah, she also yeah, surmised yeah. that it probably wasn't an adaptation to the structure of the eye itself. Because that would affect their vision above the water. You can't just mm -hmm. change the shape of the eye or anything like that and have it still work perfectly the same when you're above water. And sure enough, their regular vision was just as good as their European counterparts. So they could see above and below water super well. What she did find uh, was that when these kids were diving underwater, they were able to contract their pupils, which increases their depth of field, and... They were changing the shape of the lens, a process called oh. accommodation that our eyes don't generally even attempt to do when we go underwater, uh, which is why oh, everything appears wow. blurry. Yeah, it's because our lens stays the same. It doesn't accommodate to the water. So, it, yeah, it's almost a hyper-focus, the ability to right. properly focus the fuck out of their eyes underwater. Exactly. Um, and, and it's a reflex but the vast majority of us don't have it because we don't need it and we don't spend a shit ton of time underwater with our eyes open to develop it. Yeah. It's actually a reflex that we generally see in aquatic animals like dolphins. This is the exact <sighs> same thing that dolphins do underwater. <laughs> Isn't that bananas? Oh, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. 
much like echolocation, as it turns out, you can learn this dolphin vision. Uh, over the course of 10 weeks, Gislin was able to teach a group of vacationing European children and a group mm. of Swedish children back home to see better underwater. The only real difference was that the European children's eyes would get red and itchy and irritated from the salt, which didn't happen to the Moken kids, which makes sense just a lifetime of doing this versus 10 weeks sure. of doing this. Um, and the reason that adults couldn't do it and that you and I are destined to never be able to freely catch a clam in the blue waters of Thailand <laughs> is simply that as we get older, the lens of our eyes stop being so flexible. And yes. so we just simply cannot develop that reflex. Once the kids get older, they lose that ability. Yeah. And also, unfortunately, what really sucks is after, I think it was 2014, there was um, earthquakes in Thailand that caused these villages of Moken to have to move further inland. And they were sort of given jobs by the government doing other things. And now it's likely that essentially in a generation, there won't be any kids that do this anymore either. That's so sad. I yeah. was I was just, you know, thinking, surely that would change how your society is built. Exactly, how, yeah. How the, the, you know, the social structures of that, if the kids are the ones catching the fucking food, if the kids mm -hmm. are the ones building the, the businesses and the, the economy and the livelihood, that would have implications for how your family and your work life and your schools right. and your... It's incredible, incredible yeah, stuff. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what happened is once they couldn't do that anymore because of their villages being destroyed uh, from mm. this earthquake, you know, they then get sort of shuffled back into the normal economy of Thailand as yeah, opposed yeah, to yeah. the self-sufficient lifestyle that they had been. The dolphin living. vision. You lose the dolphin vision, but oh still a God. very cool reflex to end up learning. And there's nothing genetic about that. That's not nope. evolved. That's learned it's yeah it's literally learned and, and as a reflex as such it's like it's not something that it's like scratching an itch right no one has to tell sure. you to do it you just do it sneezing um, mm. sneezing right it just automatically happens so these kids don't go underwater and um you know teach themselves how to contract their <laughs> their pupils mm. um it's said that these these kids you know they are pretty much from birth put underwater and it just that's it happens It just it it just makes me fucking marvel at our potential mm -hmm. whilst weeping at the potential we have lost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If we can echolocate, which I've always believed we could do. <laughs> Obviously. It's a a lifelong belief of yours. I've <laughs> always fucking felt that I could echolocate <laughs> somehow if I, if I could just focus. <laughs> And we can engage dolphin vision. Right. And we can breathe at fucking ridiculous high altitudes. Mm -hmm. The fucking potential for us to adapt. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, it's like mm. a reminder, you know, one of the things that I always find so fascinating about, you know, the march of progress is the way that we lose just any basic skill. So, you know, there's... Yeah, yeah, In yeah, the yeah. 90s, you remember, like... People complaining about like, oh, why can't the, the boys change the oil in the car anymore? Things like that, you know, because like, mm. Jiffy Lube popped up and you don't have to do it anymore. It's so there's no reason for you to learn to take shop class and learn how to fix your car when you can go for 20 bucks and do it. Do you know, I had a very similar discussion with Alan a couple of weeks back. Laura is 
permanently riding my ass because I can't read a fucking map on paper, right? Uh-huh. I can't read a fucking OS map. Right. Uh, my argument, of course, being I can't fucking tan leather either because right. I don't need to. That's exactly it, you know? And and I think of that too. Like, so think of when we were growing up and our computers ran fucking DOS on them, right? And if I wanted to play Jill of the Jungle on it, I was like, C colon slash slash run slash, you know, like that was how I learned to do things. And we learned to troubleshoot shit on our computers really easily. Whereas, you know, when I was teaching at UCSB, I remember one of like the starkest generation gap situations for me was that I had assigned a reading and the PDF was sideways. And when I said to pull out this reading, the entire class turned their laptops on their sides. And I was like, wild, wild, what? Wild, wild, wild. I was like, you guys know you can put your two fingers on the trackpad and turn it or, you know, on your PC, mm-hmm. hit this and, you know, turn it. But it just didn't occur to them to troubleshoot this problem. They just physically shifted it because you don't have to know how to troubleshoot your shit anymore on computers. Of course. Uh, you can take it to the Mac store if there seems to be something wrong with it. You can take it to the Windows mm. store if there seems to be something wrong with it. You And so much stuff is user-friendly, you know? You're using apps most of the time on your phone as exactly, opposed to stuff exactly. on your computer. So we lose skills really easily. Just something as basic as troubleshooting something. At the, at the risk of this going down the kind of, ah, fucking kids kind of territory. <laughs> but that's not how I mean it at all. <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah. Of course not. I, I'm fascinated by this. Yeah. I, mean, um, I haven't been, I haven't done any kind of direct training of, 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 you know, new intake to our business for ages, but I used to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was astounded. How, how do you type a, a capital letter on your keyboard, Corey? You hold down shift and press the letter. Right, yeah. I would say 90% of people... Uh, maybe a generation below me. Caps, caps lock, lock, letter, caps lock. I was going to say that as well. The way that people, they don't like copy and paste by, you know, your control C, control V. They'll use drop down menus to do yeah. it and stuff like that. Like, it's wild. And that's the thing is, I think it's so, so many people do the like, oh, kids these days don't know how to do blah, 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 blah. But it's a matter of necessity when you no longer have you to do to. something. Mm-hmm. You just stop doing it. You know, <laughs> like you lose the ability to do that thing. It doesn't become natural to you anymore. Just um, as we've just been discussing, when you need to learn a new skill or when your body needs right. to adapt to a new skill, it will do that. Yeah. And then exactly. immediately stop doing it when it doesn't doesn't need to anymore. Yeah. And for so, you know, maybe in the the one critique that can be made here, not in a kids these days way, is that we do by uh making our society one that makes everything simpler and easier we fall out of practice of yes doing hard work that trains our brains to to yes. do stuff yeah so let me ask you then mm-hmm. if over the course of seven thousand years our our bodies can over generations learn to become immune to poison mm-hmm. or learn to cope with lower oxygen in the fucking air that we breathe right thinking of thinking of your unpredictable joints sure. right mm-hmm. would would you if you could if, if the chance were offered to you would you want to skip 
the evolutionary bit and fix that at a genetic level? Would you want to simply snip it out of the fucking human code? Mm. That's an interesting question. Um, because yeah, I think that, you know, it's sort of a broader implication situ- situation than anything else. Uh, the idea of, you know, picking and choosing what genes go on and all that. I mean, it's eugenics, right? <laughs> like, uh, So there's always going to be iffy ethical things about that. At the same time, you think of like, oh, you don't want people to be in pain, you know? So the idea that you can well, snip something out that causes people great pain. Exactly. Sure, right. Case you know. in point, there's a there's a lady right now who who is still alive right now. She's from Scotland, a girl, a lady by the name of Joe Cameron, right? She's mm-hmm. 74 years old. Yeah. And thanks to a genetic mutation which prevents her from properly metabolizing uh, endocannabinoids in her bloodstream, right? Mm-hmm. She has a complete insensitivity to pain. Simply doesn't feel pain. Mm. And she's alive right now. And it, it isn't that she's got like... Uh, she feels all of the, the stuff that you feel and that I feel, but... She simply doesn't feel pain. Huh. Um, she only found, weirdly, only noticed this in her 60s. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, 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 really. Uh, she had an operation on her hand for arthritis, an operation which should have been painful as fuck, but took no pain medication. Huh. Uh, the, doc- the doctor looked at her notes and realized that she'd been in hospital like uh, previously for a replacement hip. Uh-huh. Right? Her family noticed that she was having trouble walking. Uh, oh wow! But she wasn't like, oh, it hurts nope. to walk. Nope. That she she was persuaded to have an X-ray, and her hip was dusted. It crumbled wow. the fuck all, and she had no idea. She was just happily walking around the place, and again wow. had a replacement hip, no pain medication at all. Wow. And that's when they went to town on her, and this uh, <laughs> Joe has been properly analyzed and tested. Yeah. Uh, it, it 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 it. She also has like a, a permanent kind of elevated mood she's a really cheerful fucker because of this huh. because of right. this genetic issue with her cannabinoids and her fucking blood uh-huh. it, it, what if we could fucking do that right i mean that's yeah it's so you can I mean, see yes, why pa- that pain is pain is necessary right you don't want to you don't want to breed pain out of people because exactly this happens right that you can't tell when your hip's broken and <laughs> stuff like that that's super dangerous people need is to it, feel pain is it is it is it is it is it worth the conversation mm-hmm. i'm I, i'm assuming the conversation is happening i'm sure it is i mean crispr oh, is yeah. the thing there was that fucking right. um uh in 2018 you had the geneticist from china who was jailed right for crisperizing <laughs> uh a set of twin girls to make them uh, less susceptible to HIV. He got three mm-hmm. years. He came out of prison this April. In fact, he's out right now. Yeah. This but is what actually what could... Jurassic World is about as well. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is indeed. But what if you could enhance strength, remove pain, boost right. intelligence, yeah. eliminate disease? I mean, and it always again comes down to eugenics, right? The fact that who gets access to this. And, you know, who doesn't? And then what kind of society is then built around a whole bunch of super people and then a whole bunch of people who couldn't get their genes fixed yes. who are yes, at yes, the very yes. bottom of society? Um, 
you know, <laughs> along with, I'm sure there's other ethical things to the science as well, but that's, of course, from a social perspective, the first thing I think of. Not everyone is going to get their genes crispered. Uh, so you're going to have a society of, yeah, people who ha are perfect by society standards and ones who are broken. And it's by no means an original well. thought. Um, but I wonder if, if the applications for it aren't sport. Like, you think people would mostly use it to make people who are better at yeah sports i mean oh, take i, I mean i know i know nothing about about you know motor racing or formula one or whatever but right. the, the most souped up car wins yeah yeah right is there not an application of that for fucking people just yeah. take the fucking you know take the blinkers off and just go to town on crisper yeah. and just do it for fucking you sport can get my elite athlete muscles as my dna <laughs> test told me put them into whoever you want exactly uh, and uh but yeah i mean of course, that is absolutely a problem with it, too. <laughs> you know, if you just breed better sportsmen and all that kind of stuff. And none of this, I mean, I think that's what happens from a social perspective, not even looking at the science of it and all that, that on a social level, there's very few ways that this does not result in social problems. Oh, of course. Whatever of course, of the course. case may be, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, so you're, and you're the... quite right. Capitalism being what it is. Mm hmm. Yeah, what uh, happens when you can make super athletes realistically yeah. doesn't? Yes, that's not going to work out well for the athletes or anyone else. <laughs> and yeah, so it's I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like the the technology certainly is happening and all of that kind of stuff. And I certainly wouldn't wish people having this connective tissue disorder, uh, you know, for the future and all that kind of stuff. At the same time, yeah, it's just is the balance worth it of the social implications? Because it's not just yeah. going to be EDS they fix, you know? Of course, of course. And I think my, my, I think I'm right in saying, and I apologize in advance to Eileen and anybody else about, <laughs> you know, with actual knowledge of the area that I'm fucking fudging my way through right now. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure that one of the ethical concerns which landed our guy from China, he, Jiankui, in prison was that when you gene alterations are hereditable you pass them on right. yeah. to your kids mm -hmm. so him fucking around with those twins could have potentially altered the fucking human genome <laughs> yikes uh, yeah that's big yeah uh, yeah that's that's wild so i don't know it's an interesting thing to think about certainly something i'd probably like to read more about but as we, with so many things that we talk about when it comes to science, whether it's, you know, editing genes or AI or whatever there is, there's so many interesting, creative things that could be done with these kinds of technologies. And creative, but, that's where I keep coming back yeah, to. Yeah. And yet, the dystopia of capitalism hangs yep. over all of it. <laughs> and yes. that means it's hard to be on the on the side of any of it knowing how it's going to be used is going to be bad for society yeah and that's that's the bottom line we 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 don't deserve it <laughs> we don't deserve it <laughs> no <laughs> uh this has been fun mark 
Uh, well, it always is, isn't it? It is. Oh, and that's without even talking about how we oh. fucking we got Steve Wright. We fucking got him. Joe, I did it again. We fucking Once got again, you. It is incredible. Steve Wright has exited the radio landscape less violently than Mark had willed, but yes, uh, he's, he's he's still going to do his Sunday show, but weekdays Radio Two, Steve Wright has packed it in. Not days after, <laughs> I could only assume that he's a Joag listener and upon hearing my withering fucking appraisal mm. uh, he decided to pack it in he's like god I'm out yeah so don't fuck with Joag folks don't fuck with Joag <laughs> friends thank you for joining us once again let us know any interesting superhuman traits that you've heard of that uh, you're interested in or indeed that in. you possess or that you possess for sure I can bend my finger all the way back to my wrist super <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for hanging out with us we will be back with you again next week Mark will be with you with a video rant this week if you're on our Ko-Fi make sure that you go and submit a movie for next month or this month I suppose that you want him to watch um, or your pick will roll over if mm -hmm. you want the same thing but you know this Independence Day what we really want you to do stay on our good side. Yes. <laughs>